our text for our time together is going to be 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. 1 Timothy 1.15 reads, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Paul writes this letter of encouragement and instruction to his son in the faith, Timothy. And he opens it with a warning about those who would teach false doctrine. Those whose lives are really marked by sin, and it's evident in their life. It's evident in what they do and what they say. But Paul is not one who is just casting blame on others, but rather even addresses his own sin. And he confesses it. In accord with the glorious gospel that he preaches, he recounts his own failings as it came to obedience to Christ. He failed God and that he persecuted God's people. He blasphemed Christ. He is ascribed to Christ evil. Christ who alone is God. He approved of the death of the first martyr of the Christian church. He was standing there and agreeing with everything that was happening to the Christian Stephen. And more than that, he spent his life and zeal pursuing Christians to kill them, to capturing them, to sending them off into prison. He was at the forefront of zeal against Jesus and his followers. Until verse 12 of 1 Timothy 1, where Paul describes it as Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. And we know that's what happens when Paul on the Damascus road is stopped in his tracks by the Lord in his glory. And we see that in Acts 9. And in so doing, God changed Paul's life forever. But we might also say that God changed the course of the world forever through Paul and his ministry to the Gentiles. And this was what leads Paul to his first of the faithful and trustworthy sayings that he gives in this letter. And this is a saying deserving of full acceptance. And so we might ask the question, well, why is this a faithful saying? Why does Paul describe it this way? What about what he says here in verse 15 of 1 Timothy 1? What is it that is deserving of full acceptance? Well, first we might comment, just as we have been, right, that Paul was a first-hand witness to the grace of God in Christ Jesus in his own life. Paul had a first-hand witness account of God's grace towards sinners. Paul describes himself here, right? He says, I am the foremost of whom I am the foremost. Sinners of whom I am the foremost. We might say he's the grand poobah of sinners. Right? If there was a high chieftain of sinners, 
Paul is confessing here that he is it. The second thing is, why should we accept this? Why is this a faithful saying? Is because this is how Christ Jesus himself describes his ministry. And we'll look at that more fully here. Well, what did Christ come to do? Right? In, in the Christmas season, we consider the work of Jesus and coming. But what did he come to do? Matthew 9 Verses 11 through 13, Matthew 9, 11 through 13, we see Jesus describe his purpose. Matthew 9, verse 11, and when the Pharisees saw this, and what did the Pharisees see? We'll just pause here and explain the context, right? Jesus calls Matthew a tax collector. Tax collectors were bad dudes, sinful men, uh, often extorted. At the very least, they worked for the evil Roman government who was oppressing the Jewish people. So they ain't good. And Jesus goes and dines with him. And many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples... Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. We could look at Luke 19.10. Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Or perhaps we would consider one of the more popular ones, one, one uh, that even our culture may have heard of, John 3.16 and 17. John 3.16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So what was Christ's mission during his first advent, right? His birth. What did Christ come to do when he was born of the Virgin Mary? He came to save sinners. He came for the sick and the lost. He came for those who mourned that they might be comforted. He came to those in darkness to shine the light of his countenance. As one of the carols that we have sung uh, this season he came for poor, ordinary people like you and like I. There are people who say that Jesus was a good teacher, right? That he, gave, he just came and he gave good moral teaching, that we might live well. There are people who say that Jesus was a mystic. And even during this time, we, we sometimes slip into 
a kind of overladen, sugary idea of Jesus in which, oh, come look at the baby and let's ooh and ah over him. Isn't he so cute? And while Jesus was a good teacher and while he did teach us how we ought to live, more than those things, the testimony of the scriptures, the testimony of Paul here in his letter to Timothy says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So this is what he said of himself. And this is what his disciples said to him. This is what the prophets of old foretold he would do. We could look at that passage in Isaiah 53. We could look at the whole chapter of Isaiah 53. But I just want to zero in on one verse for us to get this idea that this is not Jesus coming on the scene wasn't just, uh, oh, now I'm here to save sinners. This was something that God had planned from the very beginning. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. So who's a sinner? So, okay, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But who's a sinner? The short, sweet answer is you. You're a sinner. There has only been one person who ever walked on this earth that did not sin. And that's Jesus, the Christ. So we admit, maybe, maybe we don't admit that we're a sinner, but what is sin? What is sin? What are we talking about here? What did Jesus come to save us from? Well, sin is all the evil that you think and say and do. Right? It's more than just doing bad things that's the problem. The problem is we don't just do bad things. We also say bad things. And the problem isn't just that we do bad things and we say bad things. We also think bad things. Right? Jesus made it clear that if you look upon a woman with lust, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. You've committed sin. If you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. So let's be all quick. So let's even, again, take it out of the realm of a mind and just put our hands over our mouth and say we have all acknowledged, we all acknowledge that we have spoken evil things. We have said things in harshness that were untrue. We have lied to protect others' feelings, our feelings, or just because it served us better. James 3, 2 tells us, that if we have never stumbled in what we have said, we're a perfect man. And there are no perfect men. From the moment of our birth into this world, we are sinners. We commit evil. So what's the problem with sin then? So right, if that's what sin is, if we're all sinners, well, what's the big deal? Why did Jesus come to save sinners? Well, the problem with sin is that it puts us at war with God and makes us guilty before God of high treason. God is our creator and he sets 
the standard to which his creation must reach. Our problem with sin is ultimately not that we sin here or there. So our problem with sin isn't that we have discrete moments of sin and we can do enough good to outweigh that. The problem with sin is that it is a festering, stinking rot that runs deep in our soul. And by the way, if that image repulses you, it's meant to. Because that's what sin is. Repulsive. We can no more escape sin than we can stop being human. That is our natural condition. The book of Romans tells us that the wages of sin, what sin earns is death. That which sin deserves is death. And so that means for you, sinner, you deserve death. You stand condemned before a God in whom there is not even the faintest hint of impurity. You stand condemned and the only deserving right judgment is death, destruction, or as the Bible calls it, the second death, hell. So what did Christ come to do? This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He made provision that there might be peace between God and man. He lived the perfect holy life that you are commanded to but cannot. He was born to die on the cross. The cross was not an accident. It wasn't just something that happened. Jesus didn't just look up one day and go, Oh no, how did I get here? The cross was the point of his birth. The cross, his death on the cross, was the means by which God would make provision for sinners. Christ became the spotless atoning sacrifice. He bore the wrath of the Father in the place of sinners. God made him who knew no sin to be made sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. Or as Paul writes to the Colossians in Colossians 1, 21 through 22, Colossians 1, 21 through 22, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If you believe in Christ Jesus, if you trust in his work on the cross, you can be saved. You can be forgiven of your sins. And on the day of judgment, when you stand before your creator, 
And while the adversary may say, this man deserves death, this woman deserves hell, you will instead be called holy, morally pure, blameless, unable to find a wrong with you, above reproach. No charge that adversary issues will be able to stick. And this, because Christ's righteousness is yours. And in that day, you will receive the reward for the righteous, eternal life. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So what does it take to be saved? So that's all good and well, but what's it take? How do we apprehend this for ourselves? It takes you confessing your sins before God. Confessing looks a lot like what Paul is doing here in 1 Timothy, right? He's admitting the truth of what he has done. He's not hiding from it. He's not mitigating it. He's not on PR patrol, right? He's not public relations trying to uh, make his life not seem as bad as it really is. He's honest about it, right? He says, verse 13, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. Confessing means admitting to God what it is that you have done. He confesses, Paul confesses here that he is unworthy of the grace that has been shown to him. He confesses, right, in our verse, verse 15, of whom I am the foremost. He doesn't mitigate his sin. He doesn't lessen the truthfulness of it. But he admits it before God. And we understand that when we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So ask God for forgiveness. Admit what you have done before him and ask him for forgiveness. Pray that God would save you from your sins. And believe in Jesus Christ. Right? Believe that he really did come those many years ago, born of the virgin. Believe the words that he spoke. Trust that what he did on the cross, he did for you. And then confess him as Lord, right? Admit that he is Lord. He is master. He is God. He's not just a good teacher, but he is the Lord God of all. Confess, right? Make a confession of faith. God did raise him from the dead. If you call upon him, you will be saved. But we might say, but you don't know me. You don't know my sin. How could I be saved? Well, this is in part the reason that Paul here writes. Look at verse 16 of 1 Timothy 1. But I received mercy for this reason. And listen to what he says here. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, right? The foremost what? The foremost of sinners. Jesus Christ 
might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. What's the point? Paul says, Christ is patient. Christ is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. By the way, that doesn't mean that nobody will perish. But what it does mean, what it, what it gives us hope of, is that Jesus can save even me. So hear that as a warning, as an admonishment. Today is the day of salvation. Do not wait. Paul is our example that if God could have mercy on him, if Christ would be merciful towards him, he can be merciful towards you as well. So what now? What do we do with this? If you're in Christ, praise God, right? If you believe in Christ Jesus, praise and worship him. Let holidays such as this one be a fresh reminder of the amazing grace of God to save sinners. Worship him, right? I know our culture makes many, much of many different things in this season. Uh, it's a season where we're busy about shopping and spending money and outdoing one another and racking up credit card debt. But that's not what this season is about. That's not what today is about. That's not what tomorrow is about. It's about worship of our Lord and God, Jesus the Christ. And so let us say, sing, shout with Paul. I love this because Paul sometimes when he's writing can't help himself and he just goes off into a doxology, a praise of God. And what does he go off into? Right after he says this, that, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, he writes, verse 17, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, again, we thank you for your glorious grace towards us. We thank you for the life that you gave us in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you that you did not destroy us in our sin, but you made provision that we might have even eternal life, that we might stand in your glory and worship you forever and ever that we might understand with such great depth what is uh, your nature, your glory, your grace, your goodness, your love, your mercy, your patience. Father God, we love you and we thank you for this time that we have to think on these things, to sing about these things. Oh, Father, be praised in us. We pray this in the name of our blessed Lord, your only begotten Son, Jesus. Amen.